We are ready to go in T minus five, four, three. Hey, buddy. Do you like NASCAR? Do you like a tribe called Quest? Well, you're going to love the Urban Conservative. Do you like manwich and nachos? Well, then you'd love the Urban Conservative. Do you like guns? Do you like butter? Well, you're going to love the Urban Conservative. Yo, what's good, son? You like pit bulls, say? You like solving Sudoku puzzles? Then you're going to love the Urban Conservative. Hey, buddy, if your car making a sound like this, you might want to get you some power steering fluid and check out the Urban Conservative Podcast. Are you repulsed by the idea of drag queen story time at your local library, but enjoy Carol Baskin TikTok memes? Then you would enjoy the Urban Conservative. All right. Peace and love, everybody. Appreciate you tuning in to another episode of the Urban Conservative. Please do us a favor. Head over to TUConservative.com. Get yourself a membership. You'll get access to the blog, our curated news feed, exclusive content, the the music page, and so much more. Head over to TUConservative.com. Get yourself a membership. Also, if you want to support us on Cash App, you can do so at dollar sign TUConservative. If you want to support the podcast directly, support the movement, just a quick reminder, tune in every Wednesday to Two Americas hosted by Zynga and Scott right here on the Urban Conservative every Wednesday, 9 p.m. It's black, it's white, it's patriotic, it's Two Americas. So with that out the way, uh, I, I'm excited about this episode and shouts out to Ali who's out on the road right now. Uh, but this is this is just going to be a really, really awesome show. I got with me my brother from another and host of In the Ring with Captain C on LI News Radio. I got Captain C in the building with me. What's going on, sir? How are you today? I, I got to say, it's an honor to be here. It's a pleasure. After seeing your first video, I went straight to the website and I subscribed and I passed it out. It's truly amazing listening to you. Uh, we had you on the show. Uh, you're you're a, a, a bright light in these dark days and, uh, and I'm honored to be here. Well, thank you, sir. The honor and the privilege is all mine. I, I really appreciate you taking the time on. So to come on, but um, let let's start here, right? Um, Captain C, that's the moniker. But but who is Captain C? Where do you come from? Uh, give us a little bit about your background. Uh, you know, coming up here in Long Island and and kind of where where you got to the point of doing in the ring with Captain C. So I grew up in Beth Page. I, I was a less than par student. We had um, back back when I went to school. If you had ADHD, they didn't know what it was. You were just a hyper child. Um, didn't do well in school, so I, I said, you know what? I gave up a wrestling scholarship. I went to college for three months. I, I just couldn't handle it. Um, I never was able to overcome this this learning disability. So I went in the Navy. I did four years active duty, four years reserve, but I kind of excelled taking exams there. And I, I realized that there was something wrong, and it had to do with the placement of the test. Um, so when I came out, I realized, you know, I think it's the distractions in the room. I had to start self-diagnosing myself. There weren't experts out there. And sometimes, and this is something we both focus on, you listen 
to the man. You listen to the government. You listen to the organization tell you what's wrong. I listen to them tell me you're just a hyper child without someone helping me out to understand, you know, you can figure this out yourself. You don't need to go on the drugs. You don't need to listen to um, you're a special child. You need to be off in this room. Um, you just need to pay attention to yourself. And and I said, you know what? I'm going back to college. Mm. Went back with the post, um, did real well. I said, yeah, I'm going back in the service. I'm going to go back in as an officer. I, I, I believe I'm a really good leader. Um, I was well behind when it came to education, but I made that up on my own, which is, you know, again, you could get yourself out of any hole as long as you apply yourself and you have good people around you who support that, not making you the victim. I wasn't going to say I'm just looking disabled. I need victimhood my whole life. I was going to work out of it. Um, I went back into service. I did 13 more years. I got hurt badly in 2014. I had to go for a bunch of surgeries to get me to, uh, to move about again. And uh, the DIA picked me up and I did four years there. I was, um, so yeah, General Flynn up here. And then he had three directors, one of operations, one of uh, human resources, one of Intel, uh, there was a couple others. Um, but the operations guy, Director Higgins, he was like the spy master. I mean, he had 4,800 case officers across the globe. Um, I was his executive officer, and I really learned a lot about leading. Um, and he taught me that the health and welfare of your subordinates is more important than anything. Uh, you don't indoctrinate them. You don't teach them as a, as much as you help them teach themselves. You know their health and welfare is, is the most important. So we took that concept and created a veteran group, a veteran recovery coalition, to make sure disabled veterans, veterans, homeless veterans, veterans with substance dependency, um, they get their fair share. We don't want to make them victims, but we want to make sure no one takes advantage of them, which. Uh -huh. Quite often, they're taken advantage of. Um, yeah, yeah. Well, we're gonna we're gonna touch on that a little bit. I, I'm just curious about something coming up. Um, did you know you were conservative or had conservative leaning values coming up, or was it something that you discovered later on in life? I don't think I. Um, yeah, I'll tell you a quick funny story. When I got to my aircraft carrier back in 1987, it was USS Kitty Hawk. Um, the person that they had take me around to show me where everything was. Uh, what was the name? Crawford, Petty Officer Crawford. He's a black guy. Um, he was a great guy. When we got to the mess deck, um, Koreans were here, whites were here, blacks were here. Um, and it wasn't racist. It wasn't racial. It, it wasn't like prison. You got to find your group. It was more cultural. People sat with people that they had a cultural uh, similarity with. Um, there was no hate. Like if I sat with um, black guys, the white guys wouldn't say, uh, you're supposed to be over here like you see in the old the right, prison. Right. Um, it was really more cultural. People, when you're in those scary situations, you're new, you tend to gravitate towards people you have similarities with. Um, mm -hmm. So Crawford asked me to sit with him. And, and I, I was 17 or 18 years old. I didn't understand the dynamics coming from Beth Page. And I asked him, why are the people separated? And his answer wasn't really um, as intelligent as it would have been if you were an older person, you can understand. Um, because we were kids, we didn't really understand. But, you know, he said something funny. 
he said, well, you could sit here, you could sit over there. Italians aren't considered white. And that stuck with me for a long time. Oh. And, um, and I said, I'm white. I've been told that my whole life. He said, you ever hear of an Italian plantation owner? You guys weren't even here. But even at that young age, Crawford saw a little more than I did coming from my paper. I didn't see the division until I got in the service. And it was more, again, cultural. It wasn't about hatred. Because um, we were all brothers on the ship in the military. It, that's what you are. You know, right. I'm not going to protect him. I don't have his six because he's, uh, you know, a Spanish guy. Right, 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 right. Um, but I started seeing the cultural differences. And I grew up for maybe the next 10 years seeing cultural differences. Um, or the, maybe 10 years ago, I, I really started hearing more than seeing because everyone's they want to keep us divided so this is constantly in the news i heard about cultural appropriation like if you wear uh if you, if you appreciate japanese dress and you wear that you're culturally appropriating that style or, of dress or, or if you're a white guy and you get cornrows or you're a, a white woman and you do your hair a certain way you're still you earrings right like yeah i those people are idiots i like that whole term is just but anyway carry on it's just yeah, so but even if you talk about the golden state warriors or you talk about um the braves you know it's those people who profit off the division that are saying this is offensive nobody said no one named the Golden State Warriors or the, the Atlanta Braves because they were wimps. They were fierce warriors. Right, and it was an sense. appreciation. Yeah, make um, but, I, you know, you, you started, I started opening up my eyes when I went back to college after learning what I learned in the military that there are people who appreciate mm -hmm. other cultures and there are people that profit off turning that appreciation into hatred and division and and malice you know and that's when i said you know what i'm gonna go back in the, in the army and learn more i left my mm. town job i went back and i needed to learn more i need to be around a more diverse group of people um educated not so educated people from all over the country and and uh it was really eye-opening how many people are like us i i, I don't and you know the white fragility thing gets me when you can't say I have black friends or I don't see color or I have Spanish friends. My three closest friends were all Spanish. One from Central America, two from Central America, one from Ecuador. But we never even saw each other as a color until someone brings it up. You know, so, so I have to tell you this. Right. And it's funny because as a conservative and as somebody that's a little more right center, you know what I mean? Like, just be honest here. Uh, I was told that, and, and it goes to what you're talking about. I was told that I hate homosexual people and I, I don't approve of their lifestyle and all of this stuff. And the, and the reason I found that funny, and, and my girl will tell you this, one of my, if not one of my best friends is a black female lesbian. One of my best friends. She was my best friend before I knew what she that she was gay. So it's like this prejudging, like on the, the left, they, they try to assign this hatred to us and they don't know it's from a can of paint. I just think it's absolutely funny. Like, like you, you're going to tell me I'm homophobic because I say, hey, I don't think we should be discussing your sexuality on the radio. I don't think, you, you know, we don't need a gay group. We don't need a LGBTQ 
but like it's just unnecessary and it's as unnecessary to me as a black history month it's unnecessary if you're teaching yeah. proper history these things should be talked about every day am i wrong no you you're you're 100 correct and i don't agree with certain lifestyles um i believe a relationship between the man and the woman however and this is where and i call this a trumping this is where the most the mainstream media will cut you off and trump you although nick spangler didn't when i had an interview with him about crt which i know we'll talk about but they'll trump you when you say i don't agree with the lifestyle and they'll just cut you off they're not going to play the rest of the message however if there's a gay person standing right there and there's two guys standing here harassing bullying that gay person, I feel bad for those two guys because depending on the severity of the, the bullying and harassing, they're going to get it just as bad. Same with someone who's trans. I don't care. Like, I'm more of a libertarian now. I mean, I was Republican. I was driven conservative. And now I think I'm libertarian because I just don't care what you do. As long as you don't force me into having to explain your choice or um, how you live your life the way you want me to. Mm. Like, so I, let me let me ask you, uh, all right, because you say that, and now that's essentially what I said. I don't care, right? And I'm a conservative Republican. I'm I'm a I'm a dyed in the wool Frederick Douglass Republican, right? I'm a my. You can be all three. I'm a libertarian, right? Because I'm liberal when it comes to like certain things. So we have to understand that all three of these things can exist within us. I'm a conservative when it comes to certain policies. I'm a liberal when it comes to social issues. And I'm a libertarian when it comes to the concept of liberty. You should be able to do whatever you want to do, as long as you don't involve me. Right, exactly. Just don't, just don't involve me and make me pay for it. Now, that's what happens now. And you know how I said cultural appropriation? Well, they do this appropriate. They, they, it used to be gay and lesbian, right? Mm -hmm. Gay and lesbian rights. Um, now they threw in trans. And I bet you there's a lot of people who are gay and lesbian who said, who are saying to themselves, wait a minute, I'm gay. I happen to like guys. I'm a lesbian. I happen to like girls. I still believe in the separation of sexes and that a, a man because they identify in their brain as a woman, is now going to compete against women in, let's say, golf. Women shoot from the women's tees, which you're not allowed to say anymore. Men shoot from the men's tees, and there's a reason for that. Not because women aren't good enough, they just can't hit the ball as far. Now you're putting that man in the women's, uh, the LG, uh, LPGA, and, yeah. and he can hit from the women's tees or the front tees, to be politically correct. No, I mean... Just do what you do. Leave people out of it. Let us live our lives. And you know what? You're going to have someone who's going to support you to the end. If someone comes after you, harasses you, bullies you. You, you, you have an ally. But when you the stuff they're doing now, they're 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 removing their allies. And it's not even though the people in those groups. It's the ones who are profiting off of keeping us divided. Like there's always something that keeps us divided. It used to be, you know, a lot about history, the French Revolution, Russian Revolution, right? It was divided by class. Right. You can't do that here because the poorest people in this country are probably the middle class of 90% of the countries across the globe. So you can't really separate us by class. They try that 1% needs to give to the poor. That goes nowhere. So mm -hmm. divide us, you know, 
what, what did uh, uh, Bill Ayers and, and um, you know, Saul Linsky say? Keep people divided. Right. Control. So let me, ask, you know. let, me, let, me, let me ask this question before we, we move to a different topic. I, as, a, as a kid, right, growing up, and, and what I mean by as a kid, let's say from the time you're 14, 15, like the, the reasonable age, you start to learn about the dynamic between men and women, the birds and the bees kind of thing, right? From that age, and I'm saying from, from your memory, right, was this a thing when you were a kid? Was, was the, the idea, I mean, sure, you guys had cross-dressers, right? You had, like, your, your cross-dressers, the guy, sure. that, you know, that. But was it this prevalent? Do you recall in any time growing up that this being a thing? No, nah, I mean, I'm a little older than you. We didn't have the internet. It wasn't so readily available. But you knew in school who was, who was gay. Um, I don't remember anyone wearing dresses to school if they were men. I remember girls, some girls dressed a little butchish, but um, you can't say that now. It's what we said. Well, they, <laughs> they dress more like men. I mean, uh, they, you knew, but you certainly didn't bully them. You know, you didn't people, some people picked on them, but they picked on me for being a, a Italian guy with a big nose. You know, Did they, everybody they, get picked on though? I'm confused. Depending yeah, on where you went and, to school, I thought everybody caught caught some, you know what? Uh, like when I went through boot camp the first time, this petty officer uh, kid, the first thing he said to me, I was standing there, scared, you know, what are you in? The, you're an Italian from New York. Was your father in the mafia? What are you stealing? I mean, he hit me with everything. Yeah, and, and I laughed at him because I got us so much living in Beth Page. We had we had an Irish area in Beth Page, we had Jewish area. We had a German area. Wow! I got it so much, I laughed, and he got pissed, and I laughed, I, and I and I got pissed that he got pissed, and I said, "Sir, you can insult me all you want, you're never going to get to me." And he wrote in my yearbook, "You were right," because he tried everything. But we grew up with such thick skin that it didn't matter, and you were taught open the door for a lady, you know. Um, well, that's toxic. Now she can open the door for herself. But he, you know, and, and here's the profiteers off this division. Yeah, but that's not most crazy women, to you. Yeah, most women didn't care because they knew you were raised to open the door for a woman, not because she could do it for herself, because you respected her for being the child bearer. You respected her for bringing life into this world. You didn't do it because she wasn't uh, unable to do it. You did it because you respected them for what they bring to our planet. Right, not what they can't do. Generally, that, that that's like okay. There's a woman here, and and I still from time to time do this. Right when I, when the mood strikes me, I'm be totally. It's weird nowadays. You got to be careful, right? But I'll offer to carry someone's groceries. Right, I still hold the door. You know what I mean? Sometimes I'll just pick up the coffee for like if I see an elder, an elder sister, like somebody older than me, I, I pick up the coffee tab, you know, what? little things like that. Like I, I don't know what happened when that got turned off, like just being a decent human being. But that that respect for women, like I said, I, I don't know. Well, I know we know what happened, but it's just like, it, how do you think we can get back to that? You know, like because it's a it's a very, very slippery slope that we live in right now in society, especially here in New York and Suffolk County, uh, the left is very strong here. So how do we, how do we deal with this? You're doing it. What you're doing right now, what we do on the radio show, that keep holding the doors open. You know, I'm mean, not going to put your jacket down across the puddle, 
keep holding those doors open. Don't keep saying, I have black friends. Keep saying, I hang my best friend's a Spanish guy. Keep saying the things that get them so triggered because as soon as they see that you're not going to give an inch, mm. they move on to something else. We just can't give up. Teach your kids. Like I teach my son, pick up your bag for your daughter, for your sister. She's 10. He's six. Not because Sienna can't do it. She's a, she's a brown belt. But because Sienna, when my daughter Sienna is of age, no sooner, she's going to bring life into this world. And that's what needs to be respected and honored, you know? That's deep right there because what you, what you see, and this is the thing, right? Like, then you set the, the like, what she's going to see as acceptable behavior from a man. So if, if, you can't even, like, my brother can pick up my bag for me. And I, how am I going to date you? You don't even have the decency to pick up, to, to offer the carry, to open the car door, to do these things. I think that's a, a lesson uh, these young parents need to, to understand. when they Because some of these kids in this generation, 14, 15, they, they're not going to make it. If things go bad here, they wouldn't make it. Here's another like, one. They keep can't paying. change the oil on the car. Keep paying the tab. When you go on your first date, insist on paying it. If she insists on you not paying it, then you know what? Maybe she's not the one. Maybe when you say, you know what? I don't think this is going to work out. Her mindset may start changing that, wait, maybe this isn't so bad. Maybe there's a reason he wants to pay the tab. Maybe there's a reason that maybe he was raised to respect me as a woman, not as someone incapable of paying it myself. You know, just keep mm. doing those things and, show, and, and keep speaking the word. You're getting this respect because you bring life into this world not because you're incapable of doing something on your own or else stop petitioning for the WNBA, the LG, LPGA, go away. <laughs> Make <laughs> everything unisex. You know, Listen, we can't have it both ways. No, nah, no, that's it. That's a thing. Ladies and gentlemen, we're talking with Captain C, host the In the Ring with Captain C on LI News Radio. Again, do us a favor, head over to TUConservative.com, get yourself a membership. You see the Cash App scrolling down there. If you want to support the show, you can do that this that way as well. Uh, also I follow did. us on. Yeah, yeah, Captain C did it, and, and you too can join the community. So um, you brought up the radio show, and, and let's talk a little bit about that and, and about what you do for the veterans, because I think there's been a... Uh, with the media, the, the the left media coverage of our military and, and the relationship that we should have with our military. I think the last 20, 30 years, maybe 25 years, in my recent memory, there's been a, a push to disconnect the respect for our military and our military accomplishments and our military history from the common person. So when I see veterans, I'm in the pizzeria maybe about a month ago, right? Me, I take my, uh, we go to, you know, we're shopping at a strip. I've never been to this pizzeria, but there's a gentleman with a World War II hat on, veteran hat on, and, you know, now I see the hat and I'm with my eight-year-old, right? And I, I turn Noah around and I say, hey, Noah, you see that hat? You see what that says? You see the pin on his hat? When you see him, you walk up to him and say, thank you for your service, and Noah walked up to the gentleman and turned around and said, thank you for your service. And the wife, you can see she started to get emotional. And she said, yo, that's very sweet. And thank you for doing that. That means a lot. Just thinking about it now, it, 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 it's so emotional because we have to respect that. So 
talk about what you do for the veterans and how important it is to to take care of our veterans, especially those that are injured, those that have mental health issues that come back from defending this country and have these issues. How important is it for us to take care of them and talk about what your organization does? So in about 2014, I had my first surgery while on active duty. Um, They let me have it at the VA here in Northport and it was on my foot. And to shorten the story, they did it in the wrong spot on my foot. Um, so I spent a couple of weeks at home waiting for a revisionary surgery. And a friend of mine, well, he, I knew him back then. Um, uh, he was a retired master sergeant, disabled, bad, bad PTSD. Um, he was out of work. He came off his last combat deployment, lost his house. Um, we happened to go to the same deli together where the Smithtown supervisor had his breakfast and he brought him on for uh, a couple days a week to learn how to how to work in the municipality the guy took the test scored number two in the county um he went to work for municipality and he started getting harassed um and, and on a side note this is why we're going to start the veterans board here in suffolk to help teach municipal employers or supervisors or or labor supervisors if you got a guy with pt or a girl with ptsd and they come to work late Writing them up is not going to help. They may be up all night long. They may have been up all night long. There might have been fireworks going off that night, and they were up all night long hiding under the bed, you know, with the pillow over their head, scared. They don't make it to work. There needs to be a different way of dealing with with people with these types of um, injuries or illnesses. But the guy was getting harassed at work. So I started fighting back on his behalf, and we started veteran Veterans for More Responsive Government. We wanted every municipality on Long Island to understand this. Um, that kind of morphed into what we have now, which is Veteran Recovery Coalition, uh, where we feed every homeless veteran on Long Island, veterans with substance dependency. If you're a disabled veteran and um, you're going back into the workforce and your car doesn't work, we'll get it fixed. Right now, we're trying to raise about seven grand on Facebook to put a handicap ramp uh, on the house of a, a disabled uh, Vietnam veterans house. So it's oh, it's morphed. The more people who join, the more ideas we get. And we start um, reaching out to veterans in the community who need our help. But the funny thing is, why homeless veterans mean so much to us, it's still about 40,000 in the country. And that's, that's sheltered homeless veterans. There are, I think, 1,400 just in New York. And when COVID hit, uh, here's another example, they were stuck in the shelter with nothing. No family, no visits, um, the same food. All, you know, they, they do their best they can to feed them, but um, it really takes a toll. And we lose 22 veterans a day to suicide. That right there should tell you we're not giving them the, the resources they need to, to succeed. So our veteran group, Veteran Recovery Coalition, we're a 501c3. We go out there and we try to take care of the little things that may just make someone stuck in a shelter say, Suicide's not the answer. Um, mm, I got a guy right now. His car keeps breaking down. We probably put about eight grand into getting this thing fixed. Now a transmission went. It's a four thousand dollar bill. So I'm asking everyone on Facebook: if anyone have an old car they can donate? You know, it's a can. It's a, it's a write off. Right. That's um, a fact. We need, to, we need to get this guy a reliable car to get to work. Um, so that's that's what we do, and and. We have two radio shows. One is Vets Talk. That's on every other Wednesday on Jay Oliver's show, um, L.I. in the A.M. with Jay Oliver. 
It's 30 minutes of just straight vets talk. We talk about the Northport VA closure of Building 11, or we'll talk about, you know, the closing of the pool or the operating rooms. Every issue. I, funny thing, I called up the VA to get an appointment. I was on hold for uh, 74 minutes. That's just to get to the operator. Now, if you're a veteran and you're in need of your, and the government says you have to go to that person, that's your primary care specialist. You're going to be on hold for 74 minutes? It's a disaster. So we, we fight that battle too. But back to In the Ring, um, LA News Radio and its owner, John Caracciola, the, he's, a, he's an angel from heaven because he allows you to speak about what's real on the radio without being censored, without being told you can't say that. You know, there's radio etiquette, obviously, you know. Um, but he lets you be you and get the word out and let the listeners decide if they if they want to hear this or not. Um, right. And all proceeds from our show go to our veteran group. So um, right, Suffolk County right. PBA sponsors it. Nassau County PBA sponsors it. Victory Recovery Partners, Pico Pools. They all believe in the same message. Um, get our veterans the help they need. And it's yeah. a great show because we fight. You know, right. we, we fight about issues. Um, sometimes we'll have uh, two competing voices in there, and I'll moderate it as the referee. Um, but the way things have been since... That's the way we had it at the beginning, but once CRT, once I heard about CRT back in November, before they were even talking about it, I restarted researches. I started talking about this because I kind of understood what, what was going to happen here, and we started running school board members in January, because um, you could tell where this was going. You know better than anyone. The minute you heard that, yeah, you knew there, there were bigger powers on the field trying to keep us divided. So we talk so about that stuff. Yeah, and you have a very interesting take on on critical race theory. You call it something a little different. Share that share that with everybody. What you call oh, critical I call, race? I call it critical race assumption because there's in 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 scientific um just in the scientific method there's steps right there's observations there's assumptions you can't have assumptions without observing something they have to be substantial observations not one person saying all white people are racist it's got to be a significant amount of assumptions to say that i mean observations to say all asian people don't like white people so observations assumptions once you have the assumptions then you go to the theory right they just come up with this critical race theory as if they had enough observations and enough assumptions and evidence right where's the evidence to create this theory um and they don't um so but I it's is it is it that they misuse because from where we said it's the, the words that they're using to describe what they're actually talking about, right? I think people are making more of it, meaning when when we're breaking it down, right? When you say critical, that means they're they're being critical of the idea of race, right? And then the theory part is because they don't actually have any um, evidence. There, there's no real evidence, right? There's there's you can suggest all you want, right? You can imply, and you can even produce studies that show things. But so what? It's still, it's still, it's not a law at this point. I think we forgot the law, like the law of gravity. Like, so we, we take these, these things because they're true sometimes, but in science, there's theory and then there's law. Theory exactly. isn't the end-all, be-all. It's when it becomes a law. 
So like the law of hu- humanity is you're going to come through a woman. That's a law. That's that's yeah. one of nature's. That's one of God's laws, bro. <laughs> you're coming through a woman. Jesus came through a woman, right? Like think about this. Everybody comes through a woman. So there's certain laws. You jump off a building. There's only one direction for you. It's a law. It doesn't matter your religion, your faith, your 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 your, your deeds. You know, there's one direction for you. So this isn't arbitrary stuff we're talking about. I think the fact that it's black people that created it, black liberals that created it, I think people are really scared to to go against it. That I think that's the only thing because the tenets of it don't make any sense to suggest that you're racist and you don't know it. It's a little it's a little odd, no? Yeah, and and you said it perfectly. Scientific laws if you're in science, you could talk about that whole you know, observation, assumption, theory, scientific law. You want to know how you got to, you know, this compound is this compound because we did all this other stuff. But in history, you talk about the law. Do you really care how they came about the law? So why isn't it critical race law? Because they know they have to produce fact. But you brought up all white people are racist. Implicit bias, right? Unconscious bias. They're smart. Because it used to be, you're a racist. How can I be a racist? I'm married to a black woman. How can I be racist? Uh, uh, I'm married to a, a white man. Or oh, you know, they, what they, you had defenses. You were able to defend yourself against that accusation. What's what happens now when you defend yourself? White fragility. So they always go a step further. If you say I have black friends, if you say I don't see color. Now it's white fragility. You're coming up with a defense because you don't understand you have this inside you, yet still no scientific law, no proof. Um, So they're going to continue coming up. DEI, right? Diversity, equity, and inclusion. Here's another cultural appropriation of the word inclusion, right? I was on the board of Ed and Beth Page for three years. What's inclusion, right? They always talked about developmental disabilities with inclusion. They used to have resource rooms when I was a kid. Kids with developmental disabilities, they went off into a room for most of the day, and they were taught by a specialist teacher, a special education teacher. About 10, 20 years ago, they came up with full inclusion. We're going to start in kindergarten because there's not that many kids with developmental disabilities. We'll take one kindergarten class and have all the kids with developmental disabilities in there and fill the rest of the class with kids without developmental disabilities. Full inclusion, they're there the whole entire day. People learn how to deal with each other. And that's how they they go throughout school. Full inclusion, right? So when you're talking about education and you hear the word inclusion, it's a very powerful thing. It works. It keeps kids with developmental disabilities from feeling like they're different, right? Uh And it keeps kids without it feeling like they're not different. So what do they do? DEI, inclusion. They appropriate that word. Like I love that taking, they appropriate inclusion and now put in race because you can't fight inclusion because it's so powerful in, in the developmental mm. world. So now you like transgender now goes in LGBTQ, whatever. Like you just add on to something. So it's so much harder to fight. You can't fight LG. What is it? L- LGBT, you can't fight that because gay and lesbian are in there and they're not out there causing trouble. So if you throw trans in there, now you're fighting their community, right? Not their community, right. 
So, so you're now, talking about the co-opting of terms, and that's something, ladies and gentlemen, we talk about that a lot here. Language is extremely important because they're co-opting. And I, I'll be honest with you, I just learned something I never knew about the word inclusion. This is why the show is, is like we tell you guys, it's a learning experience for us. You got to remain teachable. I didn't even think about the word inclusion coming from the special needs community and being hijacked. Exactly. As a term to as a term to sneak in and underpin critical race theory. So if we can hijack the word inclusion and inclusion means this and we can assign a couple of other factors and include this in curriculum slowly, integrated slowly is what you're saying. You laid the bedrock to now why we have school boards and teachers unions and all these other groups saying that we should be teaching our kids these concepts. And I think it's absolutely nuts. I think it's absolutely, you know, it's ridiculous. So think of the word diversity, right? What, yeah. The most important thing I believe for us to be united is diversity of thought, not diversity of color, not diversity of origin, not diversity of gender, not diversity of thought, having everyone at the table with, with ideas and discuss them, right? But they hijacked that word. Diversity of thought's been around forever. They just took out the diversity because it's hard to argue against such a power. You said it, words are powerful. How do you argue against diversity or equality, equity, equality? They sound so close. How can you fight equity? Because most people hear, oh, he's fighting against equality. We had a whole movement on equality in 64. You can't fight it. So they chose these words to make it so difficult to fight. Like white fragility can't say I have black friends. They make it so difficult to fight back. And what we have to do is just keep fighting. And so is it, is, it, Captain C, is it difficult because people like me, if you try that with me, that's not going to work. Like if you say diversity to me, I'm going to ask you what you mean. And if people would simply ask, well, what do you mean inclusion? I think the follow up, like people hear inclusion. So I'll give you an example. We were sitting around somewhere and I told somebody what they were saying was arbitrary. And they responded by saying that they responded like like what I said implied that what they said didn't matter when that's not what arbitrary means. Like they responded to something I didn't say. And once I showed them that arbitrary means it means at your whim, not to any set law or it's a preference like it's it's arbitrary. Like, oh they understood why I said it. And then they agreed that their, their position was arbitrary. Like it doesn't, it's, it's not that it doesn't matter, but it's up to you. It's not a, it's not an objective thing. Right. So are you saying that, because for me, I'm saying that we can defend it by just simply asking, what do you mean when you say diversity? Well, what do you mean? Cause there's diversity, what the word means. And then, then you might mean something different, Right. Somebody say you want to go get something to eat. You got to then clarify what you're going to get to eat. No, you don't just say, yeah, let's go get something and just go anywhere. You know, what are we going to get? When are we going to get it? What do you mean by something to eat? Do you mean a snack? Do you mean dessert? Do you mean bread? Like, what do you mean? Clarity. So yeah. do you think that'll do you think that'll help? I, I think this will help. This helps. Listen, don't mm. talk so much. Listen to what people say. And like you said, which most people don't have the backbone to do, question, ask questions. Instead of just constantly giving your point of view, sometimes you could beat somebody by asking them enough questions about their feelings and their thoughts and their ideas. Listen. And if you throw enough questions at them, they may say to themselves, maybe I was wrong about this and you didn't even have to say it. Mm. Right? 
Like I remember I, I was an aide de camp to a two-star general, a division commander. And I was taking him on a ride. I think we were going to Texas. And um, um, a sergeant called me up, an E5. And I was head of the um, nar uh, counter-narco-terrorism task force in the city. And he's like, sir, we got a problem. And I had him on speakerphone. I said, what's the problem? And whatever the problem was, he laid it out. What do I do? I said, well, how about this? I listened to the problem. Go over with me what the problem is. Let me ask you a couple of questions. And then you come up with three solutions. And if, if, if we don't agree that those three solutions are the best course of action, then maybe I'll, I'll, I'll contact other people and see if we can come up with a solution. I'll never say, well, I'll tell you what to do. Because now you're making them seem inadequate. They can't figure it out. And you got to figure that for them. I never, never would say, I'll give you the answer. So I had this guy repeat the problem over and over in his head. And I would ask questions. The, the, the car's not, uh, the car's steering to the right. You sure it's not steering to the left? No, it's steering to the right. Well, I mean, um, I wonder what could cause that. Uh, you know, you knew what it was. There was no air in the tire. It was low. I'm just making this up. But you ask them a certain amount of questions that they can figure it out themselves, especially if it's something like critical race theory. Instead of fighting it, ask them as many questions as possible. Question their, their ideas and their motives and their evidence. And by the time they're done, they're like, wait, this is indefensible. I can't, yeah. I have nothing to support this. So the military teaches you a lot of this stuff. That's why I think every kid should go in the military for two years. Problem I solved. like that idea. I like that idea. I, I'm a fan of that, like mandatory uh, military service or at least ROTC, local something. I yep. think I think community policing, like I think it should be mandatory um, because if you're going to if you're going to live in a community and not know how to defend the homeland, like y'all taking safety for granted at this point. Like you're you're just literally opting out of the reality of the last like two thousand years on the planet because you have this relative, you know, thirty five years. I mean, even now there's wars happening. People are being bombed and shot and killed. So Americans are so into we're into our own world that we act like it can't just go bad. Like it just it just can't. Look at like, Cuba. Well, look at cute. Look at Haiti. They just yeah. whacked the president. What's your what's your take on that? How crazy do you think that is? And, and maybe not to say from a national, well, yeah, from a, a kind of a national security perspective, as somebody you know who ap appreciates um, our military, what what do you think of something like that taking place? Like a president being assassinated in their, uh, I guess, equivalent of the White House. Isn't that a little yeah. worrisome? And and it goes to show there are bigger powers controlling what's going on on this globe it's not our our, our um president trump put a stop to it temporarily um he let these i don't know i'm not gonna say it's the bildenberg guys or the zuckerbergs but there are oligarchs at the top and they're saying what's going to go on in this world and and they have the power to take people out like that um I think I, if Trump would have won, I would have I would have laid a bet that an attempt would have been made on his life. I mean, it went after Reagan, right? They got Kennedy. Who knows who got Kennedy? Certainly wasn't certainly wasn't a Republicans. He was a Republican. Um, so who really had a problem? It, it's Haiti and Cuba should wake people up today. Mm -mm. And here's the scary part for me. You saying that, right? I think about it. 
my thing is that we have what's called the recency bias, right? We we forget recent events because we think, you know, like you said, Kennedy, Ma- Martin Luther King, Malcolm X, like the, the people that are being killed. Martin Luther like King, they, yeah. People get killed all the time, and people, for some reason, we have, like I said, this recency bias where it's like, you know, we think things are, are relatively cool, and, you know, under this administration, things are, are going haywire around the world, you know? Um, now, I take it you were a Trump supporter, right? Um, I supported Trump, one, because he was our president, two, because he had um, the country and Americans' best interests in mind. Um, he looked at things globally the right way. There were too many people at the top controlling everything going on. Um, I, I just wish what? he could have worded things a little better. So I think now he let me been... ask this question. So do, can you say that, and I don't like Trump. I love the administration and I love his the work that he did. I didn't like him on The Apprentice. I didn't. I just didn't like. Before he became a politician, I had my mind made up about his life, his autobiography. Like, eh, you know, eh, he's one of them guys. Like, eh, not my type of guy, right? So when he became the president, I I didn't listen to anything he had to say for twelve months. Every time he spoke, or I would hear something come on the news about Donald Trump, I turned it off. I'm not a Trump guy, right? As a like a guy I want to hang out with when I say this. Not Now, once you become the president of our country, I have to then assess after the first six months, after the first, I said, let's let's give him a year because I knew the mess he was cleaning up. So, or, or he, I knew the mess from the previous administration and what was going on. So I said, he can't fix this in six months. There's no fixing this in eight months. Let's give him a year. I'm going to come back in January. I'm going to turn on the TV. I'm going to listen and look at the report after the first year. And what I saw blew my mind. The decrease in black unemployment, the increase in black wages, the increase, the things that I started to see, I said, uh oh, I'm going to have to going to have to really now practice disregarding somebody and practice my patriotism. He's the president of our country. I don't have to like his hair. I don't have to, you know, listen, he won the, the election, right? And his policies and his administrations and the ideas about getting rid of government and these are good policies, right? So the reason I ask you, are you a Trump guy is because clearly you didn't vote for Joe Biden, right? I mean, you don't no. have to say yes or no, but like nobody, no. like I, I can say no. Joe Biden. no. I voted, I voted for him twice. So this is this is our this is not our fault then. What's going on, right? Are, are, are we being childish to say, hey guys, this you know the, the six ninety nine for the quart of cream I got yesterday that was three forty nine. Like two, I looked at it yesterday to make some Alfredo, and I'm like, ooh, six bucks for the cream. Ooh, Joe, come on, buddy. So is this you know, our fault? No, I, I was turned off by him in the beginning, mm-hmm. and then I started listening. I stopped with my my perception. I started listening. I'm like, and from the moment this guy announced, remember, prior to announcing, everyone loved him on The Apprentice. You know, Jesse Jackson and Al Sharpton, no, no one ever called him a racist ever in his life. He, he was dating a black girl, you know. This is true. I, I, think, I was thinking to myself, like, Every time this guy wakes up, it doesn't matter. Imagine going to sleep at night and knowing the minute my alarm clock goes off, I'm going to be called a racist, which is probably 
the second most, the second worst thing to be called in your lifetime. I think the first would be like a child um, abuser or, you know, a spousal abuser or child predator. I mean, you call that, you better go hide until you can figure out why people are calling you that. But this guy was called everything. Mm -hmm. He had to wake up and he did it. Every day he woke up and he fought back. Did he use the language that a, a polished guy like Obama used? No. But he, he, he I, I think he woke people up. Like you could fight back. Nobody could say right now we can't fight back after what he went through for four years. The attacks, mm. the character. You, any, if, if he couldn't, if he could do it, anybody can do it. No, you, no one's getting attacked like that guy. You know? That's a great defense. That's a, a, a listen. That's why you got a show called In the Ring. I would. I, I. I really don't think anybody would come on your show and try to take the opposing position of that because you're right. Like, okay, what are you gonna say? Oh, he he has some mean tweets. Well, what are you calling a mean tweet? Because usually not. And I think this is what you were saying earlier. The reason I asked this was because you said you get trumped, which is I think you were saying to take being taken out of context. Like, hey, he said. He said this, and you're going to leave out the, the stuff before and the stuff after and to create the narrative. And they always did it to him. And now they're continuing to do that. So that that's kind of really the, the line of, of why I brought that up, right? Um, as a conservative, I think we make the mistake sometimes of being of being too worried about offending people. Do you, do you see that as a problem on the right or on the center right where we're just too worried about offending people? It's the single greatest weakness of conservatives is hmm. worrying about offending people and just say hey i would rather know you hate me than not know it because you're you don't want to say it and then i got to sit there with you talking as if you're my friend when you really just don't like me just say hey, listen i don't know why i just have this feeling i don't like you i'll be like no problem you know but Fight back, man. Don't be a wound. You don't have to be loved by everyone. And that Trump always said, I don't care if I'm loved by everyone. I know I'm doing the right thing. So that guy, his words were always taken out of context. Nick Spangler did an interview. I did an interview with Nick Spangler from Newsday one day. And he asked me, don't you think we should have diversity in educators? And, and here's where I said he didn't trump me. And I called him up. And I said, thank you. For now on, anytime you need a quote from me, you got it because you were an honest journalist. I said, absolutely not. We should not have teachers, a diverse teaching staff. Now, he could have stopped it right there, and I would have looked like I was a racist. And I said, because, because they always cut that off, because you're not providing the kids the best. Just hire the best and don't look at skin color. You don't have to, just because you have very skin color in there doesn't mean you're going to give the kids the best education. Just hire the best teachers. So he, he allowed that to go, and the article came out fairly positive for Newsday. They never did that to that poor guy. Like, he always said, you just have to go back and try to remember what he said, to and he could do it. Right? Yeah. If there's a, if there's a psychological disorder called media abuse, he, he has a claim for that. Like, he could no. lay a claim for that, because what they did to him... And, and unfairly, right? Because a lot of the things that, that he suggested or supposed are now coming out to be true. Like, the things he's saying, like, we see Avenatti going to jail, we see certain other things that are transpiring. And, hey, listen, 
I'm I'm an objective guy, right? I'm not a cultish personality following guy. It's not about Trump. It's about what he represents. I mean, some people are like really into him, and it's it's not about him the guy. It's about the country and the, the and the leadership, right? So, is it is it going to be easier going into 2024? You think, and 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 if he can get this lawsuit off maybe to get conservatives some ground back with this free speech thing, because, you know, I'm pretty sure you've been shadow banned on social media. I'm pretty, I, I know I have. And uh, what, what do you think we can do? Uh, well, what do you think is going to happen with this lawsuit? Um, you know, just, just off the top of your head um, with Trump suing these, these, uh, you know, these big tech companies, Twitter, Facebook, and uh, what's the other one he's showing? Um, Instagram, not Instagram. He's showing three of them. Google. Uh, yeah, I, you know what? I don't, you know, with Kavanaugh and what's her name? Um, what was the new Supreme Court justice? Uh, right, right, right. Coney, Amy Coney. Amy Barrett. Coney Barrett. Yeah. yeah. Um, I don't think they're that conservative. I don't know if they're going to look at it that you can actually sue um, social media companies as if they were, you know, they're, they're journalists and media. I, I don't know. I'm not, you know, I was supposed to start law school in September <laughs> to learn all of these things, but mm -hmm. um I, I, I don't know how they're going to look at it. It's it's just going to be an opinion. I hope, yeah. Hopefully six people say, yeah, he can sue them. But you, you said earlier, he's right. I mean, I think China's on the verge right now of, uh, of attacking India and Taiwan. And he called this uh, three years ago. Didn't he say they're our main enemy and they're going to be the next cause of World War Three? And here they are. They're on the verge of, like, <laughs> invading. You know, the... They're killing us, China. I mean, and look at all the trade deals that he did. He said the entire world is taking advantage of us. And they painted him as if he was anti-NATO, anti-Canada, anti- No, he's just saying, I'm tired of getting taken advantage of. You've ever had a friend who took advantage of you? Hmm. They were your friends, but hey, uh, let's go out drinking. Oh, I already had a couple. Can you drive? You know? Yeah, friends take advantage of you. That's human yeah. nature. Right. But... I think guys like you, I think your podcast, I think guys like Bongino, Tucker, people are not afraid to speak out. Um, there was another guy I, I started watching his podcast, Ty Smith. Have you mm. seen him? Yes, I have. Shout out to Ty. He's good. Yes, um, I, uh, Candace Owens, lover. Yep. I think the more people we have out there showing everyone else, don't be afraid. Speak your mind. Speak your heart. As long as you can articulate it and you can defend against the questions that I said earlier, you need to ask people when they're, when they're talking. I think we'll win. I think yeah, we're going to yeah. open up a lot of minds. Yes, sir. So real quick, before we before we go, yeah. before we let you go, Captain C, listen, let everybody know where they can find you on social media, how they can support um, the veterans organizations. Or just let the folks know everything you need to let them know to support. And I'll make sure to get some captions on the screen as well. Ah, you're awesome. So we are Veteran Recovery Coalition. Just look us up on, on uh, Facebook, Veteran Recovery Coalition, or www.veteranrecoverycoalition.com. We are on every Tuesday, 4 o'clock, 103.9 LI News Radio, in the ring with Captain C. All proceeds go to our veteran group. We help fix vehicles of disabled veterans. We get the meals for every single holiday. We'll help them with back bills. We're putting a handicap ramp on a Vietnam veteran's house in Port Jeff Station. Um, that's how you can find us. And uh, we're not going to stop until we knock that, that homeless number down to zero and we end suicide in the veteran community. 
Absolutely. Captain C, thank you so much for taking the time to be on the podcast. Hope to have you back soon. Um, and I'll, you know, I'll be on your show, supporting your show, supporting what you got going on. Ladies and gentlemen, you have been watching the Urban Conservative. We've been talking to Captain C, host of In the Ring with Captain C on LI News Radio 103.9. Make sure to go to linewsradio.com. Make sure to support everything. All the links will be in the description below. Hit us with a like, follow, subscribe. TUConservative.com is the website. Until next episode, ladies and gentlemen, be good, be well. Take care of each other. All right? Peace. Thank you for having me.